If you're looking for something new to listen to, I suggest Enoch's new album, The Traditionist. The album is authentically Catholic and the production and sound can go toe-to-toe with secular artists. Check out Enoch's album, Traditionist, on all major digital streaming stores that support Catholic artists. Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular religious hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have another special guest with me here. Brantley is here to talk about his conversion from being a Baptist coming into Catholicism. He runs the Instagram page, The Caffeinated Catholic. So welcome, Brantley. Thank you for being here. No, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Of course. So why don't you tell the listeners a little about yourself, a little about your background, everything like that? Yeah, sure. Without diving in too much, uh, I am, uh, my name is Brantley, like you said, I, uh, I'm a husband. Uh, I have four beautiful children, um, so uh, my, my days are definitely uh, very busy and exciting. Um, outside of that, uh, like you mentioned, I am a convert to the Catholic faith, a, a somewhat recent convert to the Catholic faith. Um, grew up in church, uh, particularly from a Baptist uh, background. That's essentially what I was all the way up uh, until coming into the church. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Amazing. That's awesome. I know I, I, I got to know you a little bit because I started following your reels because I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's hilarious. <laughs> I love this. Um, and so I started following your reels and then I realized like, oh, you're friends with people I know like Daniel and, um, and Gabe and all those people. And so I was just like, man, we got to have this guy on the podcast. <laughs> this is going to be fun. That's um, awesome. So, yeah. So I know you're, you're married, you have kids and everything. Were you um is your wife catholic too right you all came into the church is that correct yeah so i was very very blessed uh that she came into the church at the same time i did i know that that's not always the case for everybody so i certainly thank the lord for that i'm very very thankful for that and because we were coming from a baptist background um my children of course had never been baptized so they're they're now baptized uh into the church as well they actually got baptized the week prior to us being confirmed. Oh. So yeah, a lot, a lot was happening at that time. 
That's amazing. What a blessing. We absolutely <laughs> love that. So yeah. I guess we should start at the beginning. When did you start taking an interest in Catholicism? What really sparked that for you? So for the pivot, the, the pivot for me really happened early last year. Uh, but as I've kind of really thought more about my story uh, or this journey, I think the, the ground was kind of the soil was kind of being tilled and prepared before then. Um, because coming from a Baptist background, I had a very, uh, especially when it comes to like the sacraments, a very memorial, a very symbolic view of, you know, baptism, the Lord's Supper, that sort of thing. But for the past probably three, two, three years, um, I had started listening to more voices, not Catholics, but more voices, uh, in particular, one Lutheran scholar uh, who certainly had a much higher sacramentology than I did. And so even though I wasn't completely on board or anything like that, I think it started kind of preparing the ground so that as I began to read and study more, um, I, I was more open to it. So I would say a, a couple of years ago, um, where I think it really started kind of the, the trail started coming down this way was two years ago, right around the time COVID uh, really kind of was start, starting to sweep through the U.S. I started working remotely at that time from home. I don't think there was really any kind of correlation. Uh, but as I was home, uh, I started reading more uh, and, and really trying to figure out you know, from a, from a Baptist or Protestant perspective, really kind of our two main sacraments or ordinances. So that would be baptism and the Lord's Supper. I started studying the Lord's Supper, moved away from a more, I'll kind of give you the, the brief highlights, moved more away from the uh, kind of the, the memorialist symbolic view of the Lord's Supper more to, because I was already reformed kind of in the Calvinist stream of, of the Baptist faith. Um, so I kind of adopted Calvin's more spiritual presence view. So I was already moving away from that symbolic view. And, uh, and then towards the beginning of last year's where I really started diving into baptism, you know, again, you know, father, four kids, you know, if this is a sacrament that Christ has called us to give to our children, then I wanted to certainly be obedient in that. Now, leading up to that point, um, you know, I had, um, yeah, you know, I've, I've loved studying theology and, and for, for many years, I mean, I've actually graduated with a theology degree from a Protestant university, uh, began seminary. Um, so these are things that I wasn't in some ways uninitiated with. Um, I wasn't in any way convinced by the Catholic claims, at least at that time. Um, but it was really when I started studying baptism that the ball started kind of rolling a lot faster uh, because one I began to see, and again, I wasn't studying Catholics, by the way, I wasn't reading Catholic writers at that time, but I started noticing, um, one, I started being more convinced of the, the paedo-baptist side the, that we should, you know, it is something we should give to our children. Um, but I also started noticing interesting things, I guess you could say, from the writers I was reading, they they, when they were pointing back to the early church to kind of say, hey, this was the practice they were engaging in at that time. What I began to see is that the earliest Christians, the earliest church fathers, their understanding of the sacraments, especially baptism and, and uh, the Eucharist, what I would have called the Lord's Supper at that time, uh, certainly uh, was not the view that I held. And, and they were pretty universal uh, in that. So that was where it really started. The ball started rolling. And again, it didn't lead me directly to Catholicism. But again, it, it you know, I started moving away from 
my previous positions and was allowing myself to be more open to this higher sacramentology, which again, you know, hitting fast forward, eventually did lead to Rome, of course, uh, but there was a lot in between that as well. Amazing. I always find it interesting when I hear about different convert stories because a lot of the times it all just starts with wanting to find truth and having some curiosity. And the main thing that there's this quote, I forget who said it, but it's basically like um, devout Protestants become Catholic and lukewarm Catholics become Protestant. And I'm just like, how true kind of is that though? That like Protestants who really want to know the truth end up becoming Catholic and Catholics who have the full truth, but aren't really that into it end up going to evangelical churches or other churches because they don't like the rigidness quote unquote Mm. so is i know you said you uh you were reading some early church fathers and stuff were that was there any one specifically that you read that really helped with this view yeah uh there certainly was um i would say probably the two most prominent um were saint ignatius and saint irenaeus Um, because, you know, a big thing for me, and I I won't get into it right now, but a big thing for me was the papacy. And that was one of my biggest objections. And it was one of the most distinctive as well, um, because I knew like, hey, if this is true and it's of divine origin, this is an office that Christ established. And he said that the gates of Hades would never prevail against his church. Then, you know, I can point and say there's the Catholic church. So I wanted to try and get as early as I could, right? Like I didn't want... I didn't want to, when I actually allowed myself to put Catholicism on the table and was investigating the claims, you know, you know, a lot of people, their kind of their understanding is like, well, you know, you have these accretions or these, you know, Rome kind of gets its tentacles in at some point in church history and, you know, overruns and overtakes the church. So I wanted to, you know, get as pure as I can, go back as early as I can. And I think with St. Irenaeus and St. Ignatius, what I love about them is that we're talking, you know, we have the writings of saints, of, of church fathers that we can, that knew the apostles or knew someone who knew the apostles. We're talking about living memory. So you have St. Ignatius, for instance, who's writing to the different churches as he's on his way to be martyred. And this is someone who was a contemporary of the apostle John. Like that, that still blows my mind that we have at that time, someone who was writing around the time when they knew an apostle. And then you have St. Irenaeus as well, who was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of John. You know, St. Irenaeus talks about how, you know, he, he constantly is referring to the things that Polycarp was teaching him because these were the things that the apostle had taught Polycarp. You know, and he said that, you know, St. Polycarp still had uh, the teachings of John kind of ringing in his ears. So those were the two main ones that, that I really kind of read their writings Again, especially St. Ignatius, because as far as what we can tell, he was writing somewhere between the time like 106 to 110 AD was when he was writing. You know, there's a less than 100 years since Christ was, you know, crucified and, and rose again. So we're talking about very early on, you know, and he's saying things that, from my perspective, uh, sounded extremely Catholic. Right. And I think that's amazing because whenever I look back at all the early church father readings, I always find how, like how interesting it is that a, we have these readings today, but also they're all combined, like they're all intertwined, you know? And I think that's what I love about Catholicism is you could literally follow like this little string all the way back to like uh, Jesus in, uh, you know, 33 AD. 
so it's so interesting. So when you became Catholic, I know I'm a little familiar with Baptists, like and the beliefs and things like that. I know that a lot of it can, well, in some denominations is like bricks, like um, brimstone and fire. Like it's very mm -hmm. cutthroat almost. <laughs> is your family also Baptist? Did they have a reaction to you becoming Catholic at all? Or were they supportive? Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, so as far as the Baptist thing, you know, the, the denomination I came from uh, wasn't what a lot of people perceive to be like kind of the hellfire brimstone. Um, you're more what, what we would call the more independent, fundamental type Baptist, you know, KJV only, you know, got to wear your three-piece suit, you know, that kind of thing. Um, they, uh, you know, you know, so my family, that is certainly the, the tradition, the denomination I was raised in. There re weren't really any Catholics in my family. Now, my, my grandfather on my mom's side uh, was Catholic. His, um, you know, his mother was Catholic. I don't know how far back they go outside of those two, you know, who, who else was Catholic. But as far as my immediate family, you know, I have you know, tons of aunts, uncles, cousins, nobody else. Uh, was Catholic. And so what you've probably seen a lot, what we've experienced most, uh, you know, from the Protestant side of experience, you know, you see kind of what you mentioned earlier, Catholics who weren't catechized well, they end up falling away. Or uh, if they don't fall away, they really don't live the faith in such a way that it's a great witness. And so on my mom's side, now my Nana, from what I understand, I, I remember a little bit when I was little, uh, and I actually even remember my mom kind of saying that, you know, she believed after she passed away, she, uh, my mom said that she believed that, you know, she was in heaven kind of in spite of her Catholicism because she truly, she was one of those Catholics who actually loved Jesus. Right. Like, we love yeah, that, that, yeah. You know, so, uh, whereas my, my grandfather, uh, he, um, he certainly didn't live the faith out extremely well, uh, in any way, shape or form. So I think that kind of colored a little bit. Um, some of my family, especially my, my mom, her perspective on Catholics. And again, and, and again, this goes for the Protestant side as well. We know Protestants who aren't the best examples of Protestantism. So I think both sides, we have to kind of be fair with one another and say like, look, one person that you know, one family member, one friend, whatever, uh, shouldn't exemplify either side. Right. So to answer your question, um, that was certainly a very, very difficult conversation that I had to have with my family. It was, uh, it was a very rough conversation. And as I always kind of preface, ultimately, it's because my, my mother, my father, they love me deeply. And just like any good parent, they want what's best for their child. Um, and from their perspective, that simply wasn't what is or was best. Um, uh, you know, my, my, you know, prayer is that my life, my actions, my words uh, would would put forward the best example of what being a Catholic truly is, because I can personally say um, that just in the short amount of time that I've truly been seeking to live out the faith, the Catholic faith, uh, my uh, faith has grown uh, tremendously. My love for my Savior has grown tremendously. Uh, I could, you know, point and say that I have seen where, you know, my pursuit of holiness has certainly grown. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, that's my prayer is that, you know, I would put forward, you know, that I would exemplify the faith well. 
And so, yeah, it was, it was tough again, coming from that Baptist background there, you know, while I didn't see a lot of, a lot of anti-Catholicism, I certainly would have said, for instance, you know, Catholics would have been someone we certainly felt we should evangelize. I feel like that's, that's common in Protestant circles in general. It's the, um, I, I always, it's always interesting when I used to go to a Protestant church for a youth group or something, you know, for fun when I was a teen or there's like movie nights at Protestant churches thing. And they would always be like, have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I eat him. <laughs> and they like freak yeah. out. <laughs> um, and so, they're, they're, and then you have to explain, oh, no, I'm Catholic. And then they're like, oh, you believe right. that. And um, it's always interesting to see how different denominations really, uh, I guess, react to the word Catholic. But at the same time, I have also noticed like what you said before, it literally depends on the individual person because one person cannot basically speak for an entire denomination. And I think that's in a way what's so dangerous about having so many denominations is that it's so divided. Like even in the denomination, if somebody doesn't agree with what's going on in that denomination, they break off, they splinter and they start another one. And it just keeps going and going and going. And the, the more you splinter, the farther away you get from the originality of the truth, which is the Catholic church, because all churches came from the Catholic church. Um, all Protestant churches came from the Catholic church. And so the more they splinter, the farther they're getting away from the actual tree, you know, with the roots and, and the vines and the acorns. And um, so, you know, and it, it doesn't thrive because there's no foundation, you know, they kind of they kind of just go off their own thing. And so I always find that interesting when um, I talk with them and I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm Catholic. And they're, they're either like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like, tell me about it. Or they're like, <laughs> they're like we, we need to evangelize to you. We, we need to uh, come, come with me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. In the room. <laughs> Do you know who Jesus is? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, uh, you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, I, uh, I guess it's all in the approach because if someone you know, comes to me in a, in a spirit of like, you know, they truly care about me, then I appreciate that, you know, and because that, that at least is a, um, a solid, you know, foundation for us to begin to have a conversation. If we'll allow one another to hear each other out, the difference is when you have immediately coming out of the gate, you know, you worship Mary, the Pope and, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the spirit of Antichrist and all, all the, the fun things that, you know, some of them that I won't say here, but the things that, you know, get, labeled and all that it's like okay well we can't even have a real conversation but if someone's coming to me from a kind of a spirit of hey you know it's because i love you i want you to know the truth then that's great because hey at the same time uh you know th that same for me i want you to have the fullness of the truth you know why would i start an instagram page why would i do these things you know why would i promote catholicism or whatever the case may be it's because i want people to have the fullness of the faith like you know I actually shared this yesterday, you know, I, I still have yet to get over and I pray, I truly pray that I never do. You know, every time that I go to mass, I actually receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of my blessed savior. Like you want a personal relationship with Jesus. There's nothing more personal than that here on, on earth. Like every time that I go to mass, heaven meets earth. Like there's nothing else like it. And so if it is true, right, that's a big if, 
But if it is true, then why would I not want everyone else to join in? And so, you know, that's my heart for others. I know, you know, the family, friends that are closest to me, that's their desire for me, right? They want me to have what they perceive to be the truth. Um, but that, that's what I want for them. And something that you said too, you know, the, the splintering, the fracturing, all that, like that was one of the biggest things for me as I was kind of going, okay, I know I'm not Baptist anymore, right? Like I was mentioned earlier when, when I was kind of moving away from the other sacraments uh, or my, my previous view of the sacraments, you know, I started going, okay, well, where does that leave me? You know, what church am I going to have my children baptized into? And, you know, I had no notion at the time that I wasn't going to remain Protestant. I mean, I truly believe that I would. It's just what version of Protestantism, as I mentioned earlier, I was a Calvinist, you know, so like the way I kind of jokingly say it is like, if I were taking one of those like online Facebook quizzes, you know, what denomination are you? Yeah, you know, I probably would have came out like 98% Presbyterian because I was already a Calvinist or already held to a spiritual presence of the supper. It's like, well, if I add in the infant baptism thing, well, that's where I, where I should go. But then I kind of really took a look at like, the, uh, as I moved away and started moving towards like regenerative understanding of baptism, real presence of, of the Eucharist. I was like, okay, well, you know, is, am I Lutheran? Am I Anglican? You know, Orthodox or God forbid Catholic. I really looked hard at Anglicanism um, because it has such a rich tradition, history. And I started meeting, uh, you know, at least through social media, meeting wonderful Anglican Christians. Um, you know, some that you know, I talk with often and was really kind of pinging a lot of questions off them. And it seemed very attractive because I could kind of retain my Protestantism while also, you know, kind of tying in deeper into history uh, than kind of the Baptist tradition or whatever. And so, uh, but what you said is exactly, it was that kind of the pebble in my shoe that just would not, wouldn't stop stepping on it. It's the one thing that I couldn't shake is, you know, uh, my, Anglican friends would readily say, like, there's a lot of division within Anglicanism, right? Like, even among churches, um, you know, that are more confessional, denominations that are more confessional, you still see uh, a lot of splintering, fracturing divisions. And I think for me, I knew that, okay, okay if whatever church I bring my family into, whether that's Lutheran, Anglican, whatever, um, the last thing I want to do is every two, three, five years have to continue moving around, you know, denomination hopping, church hopping, because all of a sudden this particular diocese of the Anglican church is affirming things that I don't affirm. And so we're just having to constantly move around. And I was already seeing some things because I had to look up. It's like, okay, well, are there any Anglican churches even around where I'm at? And there were things that I was kind of seeing already that I wasn't on board with. I'm like, okay, well, if, if they're already affirming this, like what's going to happen in the next two, five years or so. And so I'm like, is there a church out there where the, the faith has, has continued for 2000 years that it hasn't, that one, it hasn't um, deviated and two cannot deviate. And so that's really where I started looking hard at Catholicism and, you know, and again, Orthodoxy as well. It's always interesting to me how um, when I listen to conversion stories, how they go through the process of I want to stay Protestant because this is my roots and this is where I want to stay. And then they're just like, hang on, 
Catholicism is what now? <laughs> and then they're just like, oh, <laughs> hang on, let me uh, let me dabble in that a little bit. And then the, as the second that they actually start reading about it and what Catholics really believe in things like, even as me, like I was born and raised Catholic, but I fall away. And then when I came back, I was just like, nah, it has so many rules and stuff. Like, I don't want to do that. And then I was just like, oh, but the rules are there for, for a reason. Um, <laughs> it's always interesting to me how it seems to be a similar, um, a, I don't really know how to explain it, but just like, it, it seems to be a theme that I've noticed in converts where it's like they're, they want to stay Protestant and then they start exploring more into Anglicanism and because they want tradition, they want the traditional um, religion. And then they realize what you realize, like there's division everywhere because um, there's no real hierarchy. There's no real um, foundation and, and root system. And so they end up going to Catholicism or Orthodoxy um, and they're just like, wow, this is, this is it, you know, and um, I've just always noticed that. And so it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, it, it seems to be a common theme, which I always love hearing. Cause I'm like, I think that's such a humbling thing to experience too. Like we're yeah. so set in our ways. And then we're like, God, actually though, um, I'm going to go over here. Like you're leading me. So. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, and I'm, as you're saying that I'm not a sociologist, but like I look back and, you know, you kind of see, um, kind of in our, in our, especially in the U.S., our culture and society, you know, in the 60s, you know, you had, you know, kind of this more uh, individualistic mentality kind of creeping in and pushing back against tradition. I think you did see a lot of moving away from, you know, Catholicism, uh, you know, and more of, well, you know, it's, it's kind of the individual, you know, me, Jesus, and the Bible, which, I don't want to caricature uh, anyone in Protestantism. Like I know that's not everyone. There are people who kind of, that is their, their mantra. Uh, but you did see kind of like, no, we can understand, like we can, we can read, you know, through the historical grammatical method. Like we can, we can know and understand scripture, you know, yes, it's not devoid of the spirit, but, but we as individuals. And so you saw kind of a moving away from more traditional establishments and institutions and the Catholic church, of course, would, would be the epitome of something like that, you know, where you do have this hierarchy and this foundation and this, you know, like you said, you know, to, to use a crass word, kind of a rigid set of beliefs. Um, but now, you know, in our cultural moment, when the culture is battering against the doors of the churches, you know, I think people are starting to go, okay, wow. You know, is there a place where I can go where there is a solid foundation? I'm not having to constantly in some ways, you know, fight against my own denominations. And look, you know, I want to be clear with, you know, anybody who you know, does just a little bit of, of research, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, kind of division, even within the church, like within the Catholic church right now, there's, you know, people that, you know, there's always going to be wolves that try to creep in uh, and uh, among the sheep. And so, and sadly, even among the shepherds, um, but you have this, this church where there is this rock solid foundation where, again, the, the, the message, the faith has remained the same for 2000 years. Yes, there is development, you know, the, the acorn becoming the tree, that sort of thing. But we're looking in this moment as everything else around us, you know, is, is kind of moving away from uh, rapidly away from truth and certainty, you know, uh, I, you know, I won't get into to all of it, but. You know, when we're questioning even basic biology right now, 
you know, we're going, okay, wait a minute, let's, let's take a step back. And I think the Catholic church clearly has one, because I believe it's of divine origin. I believe it is the church that Christ established. And because it is the church that Christ established, it makes sense that the faith has been maintained because that's the promise that Jesus himself gave us. And so, um, like I said, I think you're seeing a lot of that questioning that you were talking about going, okay, where am I? Like, you know, and allowing ourselves to take a step back and look and assess where we're at. And I believe again, that the Catholic faith has the best answers uh, for those questions. Right. Absolutely. And not to mention, it's like the, a lot of, a lot of the things we face in today's world, we can't even blame on like blissful ignorance because we have the internet now, you know, it's, it's, if you're saying ignorant in a topic, even though you know that topic exists and it's as important as faith or as, um, you know, biology and all that st stuff, especially with abortion in everything these days, um, then that I believe in itself is uh, a type of sin um, because you are like, there's two types of ignorance. There's the ignorance where you don't know something exists, so you are just plainfully ignorant. And then there's the ignorant where you do know something exists and you know you should do research into it, but you choose not to. Um, and that's the sinful one. And so um, it's always interesting to me when people say things and I'm like, have you actually ever looked that up or researched what you just said or thought about what you just said or wrote it down and you know, read it a couple of times? <laughs> yeah. Think about it a little more. Um, because some things that people say, I'm just like, mm, that ain't it. That's just not, that's not it, sweetheart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> especially on Twitter. Oh, Twitter's terrible. Um, yes. The, the, the worst place. But I guess the last question I would have for you is when you decided that this was the path you wanted to take, how did you address that with your wife? How did you talk her through that? And, um, we're on the same page for that. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, you know, she had already been kind of, she was involved, at, uh, if you will, like to some degree with how she was already seeing this kind of shift in my theology where, again, I didn't start off either trying to prove or disprove the Catholic church. I was already at that, at least at that time, I want to say convinced that it, it was not true. Um, but she had seen kind of the hours that I was spending really researching and studying what began as just those two sacraments. But then as I began to move further, studying things like the papacy and all that, she was kind of seeing all the time I was putting into it. And so when I actually put Catholicism on the table and, you know, told her like, Hey, I'm at least going to look, look into this, you know, uh, her reaction, she, it was already a lot for her to process that, Hey, like I'm no longer Baptist, you know, even though we were still attending uh, a Baptist church or it was a, it was a non-denominational church but uh, you know it's really what non-denominational churches i just call secret baptist it's like you're baptist you just don't want to admit it um so i was so that's where we were at the time and so she already saw that shift but when i actually even mentioned catholicism it was kind of like no 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 like this is this is not it you know but again um she saw the hours and everything i was pouring into it we were having those conversations uh i tried my best not to um, just put too much on her because I'm one of those, I can ramble. And especially if I get excited, excited about a topic, you know, I'll go on and on and on about it. So I had to make sure I was careful with that. But, uh, yeah, we had a lot of conversations and she saw the logic of it. Like it was one of those things where she's like, okay, I can't deny, you know, what you're saying, 
And, you know, one of the, the best things that she said to me along the way was, you know, she's like, I trust you. And that meant the world to me because, you know, again, as a husband and a father, I knew that, you know, coming from the background I was coming from, you know, where people were saying, Hey, you know, the Catholic church is a false church that preach, preach a false gospel. I knew that, Hey, this is the, the, the road that I end up taking down. It's not, just, I'm not just going there myself. Like I'm bringing my family with me alongside me. And so the last thing that I want to do is bring them into a false church that preaches a false gospel. And so that meant a ton that she said, you know, I trust you. And so I, that was a huge responsibility for me. And I spent a lot of time in prayer. So she saw the logic of it. Uh, RCIA was a big thing for her. You know, that was a point where she got to, you know, you know, questions were asked and you know, things, she was hearing all the, the questions that, you know, from others that were inquiring about the Catholic faith at that time in RCIA, you know, we're getting to, to talk about it on our ride there, our ride back at home. Like, it, you know, it was a lot of time that we got to discuss the faith. And, you know, of course, both of us, we're still in our own journeys of learning more, discovering more, uh, even though I saw enough and she saw enough to come into the church, you know, still have tons of questions and things that we're, you know, pushing further into. So it was a process where she saw the logic, but she had to really make the faith her own. So she was on her own journey. Her journey looked a little bit different. You know, uh, questions like the papacy wasn't a big thing for her. You know, it was like the Marian dogmas, things like that, trying to figure those out. Um, and so, and Mary actually was her confirmation uh, saint. So, um, yeah, so she, again, she's been on her own journey, still reading, still studying, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, again, like I said at the beginning, very, very blessed that we got to come in at the church at the same time. But again, it was really just a lot of time, you know, kind of hashing those out, those things out uh, between us. And again, RCIA was a big, big part of that as well. That's beautiful. Wow. Well, God bless you and your family. They're so beautiful. I saw the pictures on Instagram. I love it. I saw them being <laughs> baptized. I was like, oh, so cute. Oh my gosh, Thank that's you. a beautiful story. Thank you so much, Brantley, for coming on here and talking about it with me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. No, it, again, it was truly an honor and a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Of course. And you guys can find Brantley at The Caffeinated Catholic on Instagram. And with all of that being said, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you guys in the next one. Bye. have questions or comments about today's episode, email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content.